All right. Welcome back to another Michigan edition of Real Talk. Jeff here. Dan, how are you, sir? Good, man. Good, man. So, gosh, I don't know about you, but like today I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, shit, we're six and oh. Like, is it just me or what? what does losing even feel like at this point? <laughs> so if you're if you're listening here today and maybe you're watching on YouTube, I'm uh, I'm sitting on my big comfy couch. I've had some technical difficulties, but I got it all sorted out. But I, I kind of I tell, told Brad this earlier. I think that I like this as my new like location because I don't feel like I'm potting. I feel like I'm just chatting it up. There you go. You know, <laughs> so let's talk about six and oh, let's talk about Michigan. Uh, Michigan escapes, as some people would like to say, a night game at Nebraska. They win the game 32, 29. At one point, they led 13 to nothing, and they gave up 22 unanswered points. That's why a lot of people are saying they escaped. Uh, they did close the game with a couple of uh, couple of scores, including a late strip of Adrian Martinez that were able to get them the win. Uh, biggest talking point, in my opinion, was Michigan's 255, 255 yards passing and 205, 204 yards rushing. So a 200-200 day for the Michigan Wolverines. Cade did have his first pick. Outside of that, what are some things you uh, you've seen and in and, and uh, want to talk about here? Um, well, it was definitely definitely on the edge of my seat for sure. Um, well, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. say if it was really an escape. I mean, you know, uh, I thought going into the game, uh, this was going to kind of determine, or the game is going to determine on on pretty much. What Adrian Martinez was going to do, what kind of game he's going to have. Adrian Martinez obviously, you know, has issues with turning the ball over via a fumble or interception. Um, And, you know, we had a lot of uh, crucial moments in this game, whether it was a simultaneous, I think it was a punt return. Correct? We had one or they had one? I thought, uh, I thought, uh, we had uh, we were receiving the punt, and weren't we the one that muffed it? But we held on to it, or was it the other way around? I oh, thought God. we were. I don't remember. I think there was a muffed punt. I think you're right. I just don't remember honestly. Okay, I think it was. I think we were receiving the punt, and it got juggled, and then the possession arrow was Michigan ball because when it's simultaneous, it goes to the receiving end, right? Yeah, and... I, I think you're right. I don't have it in my notes, but yeah. What was driving me nuts is I couldn't find it on YouTube on any of the highlights. And so, uh, I mean, if, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I feel like that was pretty huge. I, I remember talking about it with a Nebraska fan. So I feel like I'm pretty accurate there. Um, okay. But, you know, Daxon Hill came up big again. Um, you know, we've created five turnovers the last two weeks, got to this game. And, you know, uh, I'm liking a lot of things. There's some glaring problems that should arise down the road that might hurt uh, worse than what they did in this game. And we'll get to that later because one of them is my uh, what I didn't like segment. Um, and the cool thing about this Michigan football team, or maybe not the cool, I don't want to say cool, but the, the, uh, the hope of this team uh, is – when there's signs of adversity, it doesn't uh, it doesn't snowball. 
Um, you know, I've talked about it before, and, uh, and I think it was a pre, uh, preseason preview. Michigan football teams in the past, especially last year, when one thing goes wrong, it's just a chain reaction. And uh, after Cade McNamara threw the interception, which was his first turnover in two seasons, um, Quorum and the offense go right back down and respond after Nebraska uh, got the touchdown. And I feel like if after that interception with Cade McNamara, Nebraska scores like they did, we get the ball back, and then we go three and out. Or we fumble the ball, or we throw another pick. I just feel like something worse would have happened there. Um, but, yeah, I'll toss it back to you, man. But those are just a couple things that uh, that I like seeing, and I just feel like this is uh, a better Michigan team. And uh, I think Jim Harbaugh has got these boys – playing at their peak right now yeah there's there's so many things i can say on this game so yeah Cade does throw his first pick and, and truthfully if if i'm grading it on a scale of like 10 being his fault one being somebody else's fault it was probably a seven or eight i mean it looked to be co- like more his fault than not um and he sailed the ball which which doesn't help um he was also sacked for the first time not that that's a huge, huge ordeal, but uh, there, there's a lot to say. I, I think a lot of people are going to look at this as an ugly win, and and because of that, they're gonna they're gonna harp on the fact that Michigan's maybe not so good. And then I really start to break down what constitutes an ugly win. So Nebraska, I think what what is their record now as it states? I, I think they were three and three, or they were yeah, yeah they were. Th- three right they're so now three they're and four and one and one and three in big 10 play yeah so now they're they're three and four so we we beat them and dropped them underneath 500 so now they're a sub 500 team so now it looks like we struggled against a sub 500 team on the road at night if you're watching that game and you're watching nebraska first off nebraska cornhusker fans packed the stadium it was electric i thought it was big time uh, game 7.30 at night, the place was booming. And they came out pretty stagnant and gave us one quarter, but it was a hell of a quarter. They came out mm-hmm. fighting, and it seemed like all of a sudden they, they looked like Ohio State. Like they were throwing some crazy some crazy screen plays that were going going yard. And, um, yeah, they were, they were opening up the playbook in that second half. Ultimately, when you really start to look at this game and you look at uh, Martinez's stats – he was 18 to 28, 291, three touchdowns, one pick, one sack. Um, on the ground, he was eight of 38 in a touchdown. I mean, did he play a good game? Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say he played a good game, but it wasn't enough to get a job done. And I think that's a lot that Michigan can take from because he played a good game. It's not like they. And Adrian Martinez has been in the system, gosh, four years now. I think if it's. He, I mean, he's definitely he's either a junior or senior. Yeah. He's a three-year captain. I know that. I mean, he's literally been there forever. So there's he's listed as a junior. Okay. It, again, he's a three-year captain. So this this dude has all the respect of his teammates and um and played a hell of a game. And and Scott Frost, you know, you could see the frustration on his face at the end of this game where you, you know they they miss a field goal late and then they get stripped late. Could they have beaten Michigan? Probably. Probably. But there's 
there's a lot to take from an ugly loss, and I'll ask you about those later. But I think ultimately Michigan is a team that showed that they can overcome being punched in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they can overcome playing sloppy because ultimately this was a sloppy game. Cade turned it over. You know, he hasn't done that at all. Um, they, they didn't get a lot of production out of the passing game. They were 22 of 38, which isn't, if you're going to throw it 38 times, you, you want a little bit more than 22 completions, but ultimately, I mean, 255 yards passing is not bad. They didn't have a hundred yard receiver. So they were really kind of throwing it all over the place. I thought the, the production was, Again, no no crazy story here. It's from the running backs. You know, Haskins takes 21 carries, 123 and two touchdowns. And Corum, 13 for 89 in the touchdown. So, obviously, that's the core that we've been talking about each and every week on this podcast. We've been talking about Haskins and Corum and what they're able to do. Um, we did see a little bit of J.J. McCarthy, and I'll talk about um, what I thought was probably a bad play maybe a little bit later. But, you know, I'll kick it back to you. I I. I think it's okay to win an ugly game on the road at night against a Big Ten opponent. Like, I'm not too arrogant and I'm not too greedy to assume we're going to beat everybody 60 to 0. Like, it, are you in agreement or do you look at this as like we're just not ready to play Ohio State yet? Well, I mean, let's dial back. I mean, we mentioned it in last week's pod. Uh, Wisconsin um we didn't think we were we were gonna be close to five and I mean we thought you know maybe four and one going in you know you know we didn't think we we're gonna be six and oh and so we have to remember our expectations we we thought that we were gonna be dropping two or three by this time in the, in the schedule at least a lot of people did um and you know it could be maybe considered an ugly win but uh you know, Michigan definitely had their opportunities to make this a much larger uh, point differential. Uh, There's a couple interceptions or, or could have been interceptions that Martinez threw. Um, you know, it was, I was I think it was the drive uh, after the quorum touchdown uh, that got us back in the lead. I think uh, Adrian Martinez kind of got away with one. Um, I think Jermon Green just missed it. It was, it was like on the, it was like a an out route pass. I got him a first down and Jeremiah Green was real close to picking it off. Um, and then there, I think there's like one other one, but, um, you know, you know, I said before the Wisconsin matchup, you know, Michigan struggled to create turnovers. They've got, again, like I alluded to earlier, they got five in the last two games. Can't be mad at that at all. So that's coming around. So even though Adrian Martinez threw for 291, I mean, there was a couple of plays where a couple of their larger plays where he connected on deep passes. I mean, we were just a half second late getting to him. I mean, we were really close. Um, and, you know, I feel like, too, our tight ends are stepping up big. We've got our tight ends showing out the last three games. And obviously, we're in the Big Ten um, play right now. So the last three Big Ten games, our tight ends have 12 receptions. You know, Eric all stepping up. And, you know, last year. Uh, you know, Harbaugh said that Eric Hall kind of reminded him of Jimmy Graham, and we didn't see that. We didn't agree on that. Um, but he's kind of looking like that this year. I mean, he doesn't really provide you the touchdowns, but he's over the middle. He's in the seam, and he definitely has the physique of Jimmy Graham. I was watching the highlights today uh, on my lunch break, and when he's running with the ball, my man, he does kind of – he's built kind of like him. I mean, he's a tall kid, uh, big. Um, 
And before, you go, before you go too much farther, I want to talk about Eric all quick. So yeah. last year, I think one of the reasons that we were so down on him, obviously the drops. He dropped a ton of passes, especially early in the year before he started to settle in, right? And the fact that Harbaugh was praising him as if he was, you know, this next up-and-coming tight end that's better than anybody we had on the roster at the time. And, I mean, we also had Nick Eubanks, who had been a very good tight end. I wouldn't say he was elite, but he was he was a good tight end for us for a couple of years, right? So, And we had Jake Baugh, and they're all, we've had pretty good tight end play over the last, I don't know, 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that we set the expectations for Eric Hall as, as really high. This year, we're not seeing the usage, but the production's there. Yep, absolutely. And he came up big on the third down uh, in this game. Um, and two, I'd like to mention, um, you know, the Brad Hawkins strip, strip fumble on Adrian Martinez. Um, that was absolutely a lifesaver right there. And uh Kind of mentioned before we went live, kind of remind me of uh, the 05 Penn State game. And uh, I believe, uh, you know, that was the year that Penn State uh, only had one loss, and that was in Ann Arbor. And they ended up being, I think, Florida State in the Orange Bowl. And that was like one of uh, the last good teams that Joe Paterno had. And I think Michael Robinson was the quarterback. And, you know, obviously you see him as an NFL analyst now. Um, but Chad Henney was running with the ball, and I think it was like still tied 10 10. And uh, he was running up the middle, and Chad he- Chad Henney was not a runner by by any means. And uh, the cornerback from Penn State just literally looked like he was going to tackle him, just stole the ball and then ran with it, took it to the house. You know, that's kind of what it reminded me of. And the funny thing is, is Isaiah Hole, who's uh, a beat the beat writer for Michigan, uh, tweeted out a, a, a thing where Adrian Martinez was said in the post game press conference that. The reason why he fumbled the ball is because he thought the play was over and he was just standing there. And then you look at the play, it happened, and he's driving the pile with his legs. So that that's bogus. Um, and so don't take any away from Brad Hawkins. He made a great play there, and he made the game-changing uh, play. Um, and it could have been, like I said, this game could have been a, bit, a much larger victory. Uh, but it also could have been a heartbreaker because when Nebraska got the ball and they had no timeouts, they had just over a minute left. Uh, I think it was on second down or maybe third down. Uh, Adrian Martinez missed a wide open tight end over the middle, and it kind of made your butthole pucker up a little bit because you're like, man, if you would have hit that, that tight end probably would have got the first down. And I think after that uh, advancement, they were close to field goal range. But, um, again, like we've been preaching all season. You can't can't be mad at a W, and especially a six and zero record where we didn't think we could reach. I would one hundred percent agree. I I can't imagine being upset watching your team win. You know, the one thing as Michigan fans. You know, we don't, and a lot of, I would probably say, I'm just throwing a percentage out here, but I would say probably 70% of Michigan fans are also Lions fans. So there's no way you're taking wins for granted. Come on, Michigan, let's be serious here. So I'm just, I'm honestly shocked at the, the disrespect that this team's getting for winning football games. And, you know, there's, there's some people that um, I talk to pretty regularly uh, whether it be Facebook or Twitter or, you know, text chat or whatever. But there's a lot of people that 
their only goal. And it's my goal too, so I don't want to, I want and I know it's yours. So I'm not trying to like lose sight of it, but their only goal is to beat Ohio State. So every single week they think to themselves, this game wouldn't have beat Ohio State, so therefore it's a disappointment. And I, I'm really sorry if that's where you're at as a football fan that you're every single game you're thinking to yourself, oh, well, this performance wouldn't have beat Ohio State, so it's not good enough. It's just unfortunate because truthfully, we're, we're seeing good football from a good football team. I think they're ranked currently seventh in the nation. Um, and I, th- I think that's a little high, honestly. I think that they um, could even be back a little bit, but that's okay. Like they're, they're a top 15 program. They're showing it right now. We've been saying for years that Michigan's capable of this. And we're seeing different attitude, different juice, as the Michigan likes to be saying lately, different juice in this team. And there's a lot to like. Let's talk about what you liked. What did you like this weekend? Um, well, kind of piggyback off what I said earlier. Um, you know, creating the turnovers and not quitting uh, when faced with adversity and being uh, down on the scoreboard uh, and avoiding the snowball effect. And uh, part B of this is Jake Moody coming in the clutch, man. Uh, we finally got ourselves a reliable kicker full time. Um, and he came up huge, man. Um, when we needed him, he answered the bell. I don't know if you can see this. Jake Moody. <laughs> okay. yep. You know, Jake Moody was an absolute dog. Four for four from the field and two for two from extra points. 14 points. He scored basically two touchdowns for us. That's your kicker. Um, Michigan's had solid kickers, and they've had poor kickers. You, you know, Harbaugh slept over a kid's house because he thought he was a good kicker. Jake Moody, dude, he's the best kicker Michigan's had in a long time. He is very good. He is very trustworthy. And part two of my liked, and it kind of goes along with what Jake Moody is, when this team's down, there's actually a little bit of belief that we can still win the game. and I'm not joking you. I, I, I scout's honor, and I, I might have even texted in, in the in the chat. But um, when Jake Moody went up there to kick the kick, I knew we were going to win. I, I just knew it was going through because he's been gold. And maybe there's going to come a time where he's going to miss the miss the kick. But Jake Moody's been holy crap. I mean, it's it's funny that you also wrote it down because I'm just like Jake Moody. He's the goat. I mean. <laughs> disliked i'll go first here um you know we talked last week about jj and his usage how neither of us really dig a two quarterback system and neither of us really it's not that we don't like jj because we both like jj and we're excited for jj but right now it's Cade's time i absolutely not just disliked but hated in the fourth quarter on a third down play. And this goes back to what I was talking about a couple weeks ago in the Wisconsin game. It's not where it's not using JJ. If you're going to use him, fine. It's where they use him. I don't understand some of the, the times that they decide to use him. Like again, you've, you've alluded that maybe they checked out of it, but you brought him in to hand the ball off, you know, against Wisconsin. And, and that brought Kate out of rhythm here in the fort deep into the fourth quarter. There's like a minute and, 40 seconds to go on third and six. They bring in JJ McCarthy 
he runs a read and he loses seven yards and it's just I'm I'm sorry I hate the play call I hate that I hate that you brought in JJ I hate that you called a, a QB option there and truthfully it, it's a bad call it's a bad play it, it's it's not what Michigan needed at the time if, if you if you're not committed to taking a shot at the end zone then run it up the gut and let us kick the field goal otherwise. Keep Kate in there and take a shot at the end zone. But again, if you're not committed to doing that because you don't want to turn the ball over, don't run a QB option with a freshman quarterback. Like, it's just stupid. It, I saw the play call, and I immediately wrote it down in my notes. I'm like, this is dumb. Mm-hmm. We're being too cute. We're being way too cute. And truthfully, I mean, did I think we were going to lose the game? No. We're right there. Jake Moody was I, – I knew Jake had hit it, but it's like, what the hell? I like JJ. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not trying to sound like a JJ hater because I am not. I am the opposite of that. But I just, it's not his time right now. Yep. I like what you just like. Uh, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I think last week we were two for three together on uh, on similar things here. But, yeah, definitely the, that, that play specifically because it almost ended in a fumble. And, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, and I'm okay. I mean, like, I obviously, I'm, like you said, we want one quarterback. I'm okay with it if it works. If it doesn't work and it looks sloppy, you're going to get grilled on it and you're going to get uh, asked that, you know, the reporters are going to ask me about this in the press conference. Why, why, why? Um, I think they dodged a bullet there. And as we get into the season, I mean, we're three games into the big 10 season. Um, McNamara is your starter. And if you go, if you start getting wishy-washy with it now, be pretty, it's going to hurt you. It's going to bite you in the ass. I, I yeah. just did not understand that at all. And granted, when J.J. McCarthy has looked good, it's with his arm. It's not necessarily been blazing speed, Denard Robinson style to the outside touchdown. So I'm just I'm not getting I'm not getting and understanding the formula of what they're seeing. And again, I'm just a regular Joe that lives in Southeast Michigan. I'm not anything on the coaching staff, but uh, it just doesn't make any sense. And I think everyone sees that too. Um, and something else too that I think they you know need to work on it. I don't like. And it's it's been pretty much kind of all season. It's the red zone. Um, more more in the Big Ten season here. The last three games, you know, we get down to the the red zone. Uh, the field shrinks, and then we're settling for field goals. And luckily, again, we got Jake Moody uh, kicking bangers uh, through the upright, so it's we're coming away with points. But uh, like I alluded to a couple times already in this game specifically, you know, this game could have been 14 extra points on top of what we already had because. You know, you get uh, get the turnover, you get good field position, and you come up dry. Uh, I know on one on one possession though, I think it was the second one. We scored twice, and they called it back because uh, the knee was down before the goal uh, the goal line. So whatever, um, he got backed up. Um, but yeah, those two things I think need to really get worked on um, converting and less of this nonsense in, in clutch time. Yeah. Yeah, again, it's not that JJ's being used, even though I disagree with it. I can live with it in the right situations. And I'm sorry, but fourth quarter under two minutes, third down and six in the red zone on a QB draw. I, I, I was literally, I wanted to throw up. I'm like, what am I watching? <laughs> because if had it ended in a disaster, I would not have blamed JJ. He's a freshman on the road in a hostile environment, a tight game. I expect you to turn the ball over. The fact that he didn't, I was shocked. 
it's hardball that I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm turning the corner on you. There's a lot of people that haven't, and this is not the way to do it. <laughs> but again, you, I think you nailed it on the head. If you're going to bring him in, it needs to be buttoned up. It, it needs to work. It, it, there, there's no excuses. It can't be a negative seven yard crunch time draw yeah. play. I'm sorry. I can't, it, it needs to, it needs to be effective. You know, me and Brad were talking about extra points earlier and why coaches don't go for two more often. Well, because when they go for, when they go for a field goal, when it's missed, whose fault is it? The kickers. When you go for two, if it's missed, whose fault is it? The coaches. Doesn't matter how bad the play was or how good the play was or how bad the quarterback play was or if it's picked off or that never matters. It's always, well, why'd you go for two? It's coach's decision. You know what I mean? Here, I'm look I'm not looking at it as it's JJ's fault. I'm looking at it like it's hardball. You gotta make a better choice as to when you're putting him in. So uh more of you want me to go first? You got something. Yeah, yep, go ahead. Yeah, so not necessarily something that I've seen in the game, um, but I, I need to see more growth in the passing game. You know, we're three games into the Big Ten um, schedule. It only gets worse. We have a bye week. We're going to play Northwestern. Then I believe we have Michigan State on the road. I believe that's how the schedule turns out. But regardless, this is Big Ten play now. We threw it 39 total times. We only completed 22. I, I, I would love to see that more in the 27 to 28, 29 range. I think that's where we need to be. I don't think we can hover around the 50% range. That's not going to get it done. You know, we already talked about how Cade McNamara is notoriously a 60% quarterback. I think we need to be right in the 65 to 67 range. Mm. And while doing so also passing it enough, you know, I don't want you to be 10 of 12, you know, I think 25 of 32 is acceptable. You know, I think that's something that we need to strive for. So growth in the passing game, unfortunately, no touchdowns this week, but we did have an interception. Um, you know, no, no, but no dominant wide receiver play this, this past weekend. So growth in the passing game is something I need to see more of and not in a good way, more of as in a, I need to see some development, I guess. Mm-hmm. What you got? And uh, what I want to see more of is, um, Kind of who I complimented on earlier is Eric Gall. I kind of want to see, I want these uh, tight ends to be, uh, I mean, obvi- okay, so we're struggling in the red zone. I feel like we'll start utilizing these tight ends um, in the red zone. Um, I mean, Eric Gall doesn't have a touchdown yet. Uh, Eric Gall, six foot four, uh, 245. I think, you know, that creates mismatches. And, uh, you know, Michigan likes to roll on Honeyford and uh, what's the other cat? Got the other that I can't. I'm having a, a scoot over. Uh, even one of them two. I mean, I'd kind of prefer Eric Hall. Uh, more of the physical uh, physicality I like. Throw it up to him. You know, use him in the use him uh, in the back of the end zone. You know, kind of. I feel like if utilized properly, I think he can produce kind of like Jake Butt did. Now Jake Buck won the Mackey Award for the best tight end in his final season. So that's uh, it's a big task, big ask on my end, but. I feel like Eric Hall is uh, is capable to, you know, set that as a goal, and I just think you need to utilize him a little bit more. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, one thing also I think that they could benefit from doing is using him in the RPOs. You know, yep. uh, the Chiefs. I think what some one thing that they do 
exceptional is how they use Travis Kelsey. Like, Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady, super successful in the red zone, but a lot of that is seam play, okay? Mm -hmm. And he's just unstoppable in the seam. There's nobody that can guard him. Travis Kelsey is is really um, successful because they use him all over the place. They'll split Mm -hmm. him out wide. They'll bring him in the seam. They'll bring him up tight. And a lot of times what they'll do is they'll bring him underneath, behind the line of scrimmage like he's a running back, and they'll do a shuffle pass to him. Eric All, I think, has that type of ability just from what I'm watching. He's a big, he's a big body, but he seems pretty elusive, like a Jimmy Graham, like you know Hardball has said. So, yeah, I, I would love to see Eric All in a featured role in this offense. You know, we've we've already seen Haskins and Corum become those featured guys, and I would say outside of them, it's in the past game, it's probably Cornelius Johnson. This week it was Baldwin for whatever reason, but I would love to see Eric All get four, five, six targets. Mm-hmm. But real quick too, before we go any further. Um... You know, Roman Wilson didn't make the trip uh, to Nebraska, and uh, I didn't realize until I didn't realize until after the game started, and it was because he had a wrist injury. And he says he's going to be fine. Michigan says he should be okay going forward. Um, so it's precautionary. And so I was reading headlines uh, before we started, and you know, the, the beat writers and a couple of the people were like, "Like, man, someone's got to step up in Michigan's wide receiving core. They're short Roman Wilson. What are they going to do?" And it's like, you know, each week. Uh, everyone in the wide receiver core is contributing, whether it's one catch or six catches. Everyone, I don't think if we lose a wide, another wide receiver, sure. Long-term it could hurt us, but if it's just one game, I mean, you got plenty of guys that are stepping up. Sanders still, uh, I think I said something about him last week, barely seen the dude all season. And guess what? Catches a dime, I want to say a dime pass, but a a deep pass from McNamara lays out for it, hauls it in. Boom. There he is out of nowhere. So, uh, People got to chill on that, man. I think our wide receivers, granted, they don't have the uh, the pizzazz that Chris Olave or uh, Wilson do in, in, in Columbus, but they get the job done. And, you know, so I think people need to just kind of relax there. Yeah, the one thing, you know, listening to some, some um, early season, preseason Michigan pods, uh, John Jansen had Jim Harbaugh on, and Jim Harbaugh was asked, you know, what he thought of the wide receiver room this year. And he said it's his favorite wide receiver room since he's been here. And a lot of times you're probably going to hear that. And he said, and John Jansen countered and said, what makes you say that? He goes, we're going to play more wide receivers this year. And we've played all, you know, in my years past, mm-hmm. he's, he loves the room that much. He thinks it's that deep. He said, there's a lot of kids that are on this team that will contribute this year. And we've seen it whether it's one catch or two catches or just being able to get in there and maybe take a carry or something, the wide receiver room is super deep. And mm-hmm. in years past, if we lost our number one receiver, that would be a train wreck, and it hasn't been so far for Michigan. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to get to the uh, mailbag here? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, I have it, uh, have it up. So... Weekly listener, Jamie Lado, once again, writes in. He has a J.J. McCarthy question for us. Here we go. Do you think J.J. taking the loss on the option and almost losing field goal range makes it so that Michigan uses the traditional one QB approach? In in parentheses here. I know based on last week you both can prefer the QB one approach. It's almost like he knew what I was going to talk about today. (laughs) (laughs) I, I mean, I'll give my short answer because I've kind of already touched on it. I'll let you go. But 
Do I think that Jim Harbaugh stops using JJ? No. Do I think he thinks twice about using him in the fourth quarter on third and six with under two minutes to go? Probably. Probably not the best time. Um, but like I said, on first down uh, in the first and second and, and third quarters or it, with a big lead, yes, I think there's times where you can put JJ in. We, we've said this. If you're going to use him, make it work. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, Fourth quarter, third and six, under two minutes. Not the time. Not the time to do it on the road. On the road where it's loud as hell and you can't hear the snap. It just. It, it was a bad idea. Um, Jamie, obviously you you thought the same thing. That's why you're asking. I'll let you go. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Like you know, uh, we we agree on we agree on that situation for sure. You know, um, man. Do you think we go one QB approach? Or do you think we still see JJ? Um. I still, again, I still think we'll see, see uh, JJ, but um, probably not with a minute left in the game on the line. Yeah, yeah. Poor call there. Um, I have a couple questions slash discussions here. Um, just some notes that I took over the weekend from what I would consider a pretty busy college football weekend. I thought there was a lot of big games and a Dude, lot of talking points here. Did not, did not want to change the channel on Saturday. I mean, even hell uh, the other night, last night with the Ravens game, like he did not want to change the channel. It was, it was crazy. Truly a fantastic football weekend. But the first question I have for you, and it, it's kind of like a, I'll, we'll just see where this goes. Xavier worthy. Obviously you know that, you know, that is right. Texas wide receiver, former Michigan recruit. Yep. He committed to going to Michigan, and he left because of um, grades. He wasn't going to be able to attend there because his grades weren't good enough, right? Am I on no. something? So are you aware of what his current stats are at Texas right now? Um, looking at him right now. I, uh, I have in front of me 24 catches, 514 yards, and six touchdowns. This past weekend, in a rivalry game against Oklahoma, he went nuts. Nine catches for 261 and two touchdowns. Do you think, I guess I have a two-parter here. Is this a kid that obviously would have played for Michigan right away and and put us over the top, right? I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, again, we're deep already. Uh, Who knows if he would have... uh separated himself man uh of course i mean it's nice to see him to go nuclear but um i mean when it comes to grades at u of m man i don't necessarily agree with them uh we kind of lost out on uh demar dorsey with rich rod because of grades i mean it is what it is uh that's i mean that's kind of why i brought this up so the grades thing obviously and everybody's out here holding michigan to the standard of in Alabama or Ohio State, mostly Ohio State. Is it possible to be on that same standard if we if we if our standards aren't the same? I mean, that's a great that's a million dollar question, right? Because, you know, Jim Harbaugh was at Stanford and um I mean, look what he did there. Uh and look at Pat Fitzgerald on Northwestern. Um so yeah, I mean, obviously if you get But none of those guys have accomplished anything. I understand Marble that. didn't like, accomplish anything at Stanford, and, and Pat Fitzgerald hasn't accomplished anything in Northwestern. I understand, I understand that, but what we can all agree on is Pat Fitzgerald's a phenomenal coach and does a great job with what he has because of the academics. And Absolutely. Jim Harbaugh, and Jim Harbaugh did 
the same at Stanford. Now, when it comes to Michigan, uh, people get a little short-sighted with that because Michigan has been around forever. They've been consistently, I, I guess, you know, haters going to hate if they want to, but we've been consistently successful in, uh, you know, our records for so long. Um, I mean, I still think we can get held to the same standards as yes, with Michigan. Uh, and that's me maybe being a little hypocritical. I mean, I'm being short-sighted, like I, like I, I said, but, um, you have all the resources and let's be honest. I mean, I'll, I'll, I mean, how many times do we turn away recruits? It happens. Look at that two times in, you know, 15 years. I mean, for that we can remember right off the top of our head. So, uh, yeah, whatever. Well, there's, there's some other ones too. Like Kareem Walker made the team, but could never get on the field because of grades. So there's, there's been other ones too that are lower, lower cases, obviously, but Kareem Walker was a five-star, correct? Yeah, and it's, I mean, uh, I haven't really heard from him. I mean, I'm I don't know if he's even on plane, is he? I, truthfully, I have no idea. I think he went to some lower Florida college, and I mean, I don't know. Best of luck to him if he's still playing out there somewhere, but I doubt he is. I mean, he's been removed from college for I would assume a long but, time now. But but, the, but this the, this bar that's set that we're talking about, I don't think it's ever going to go away. Um, so it's never. That, that, yeah, so, no. It's, so, so, so yeah, I guess it puts that Michigan at a little disadvantage, I guess, because, you know, we've talked about before, you know, when I asked you, will Miami ever be good again? And Miami, the Hurricanes peak in the 90s were because who they were recruiting, the guys that had baggage. And Urban Meyer was been phenomenal in Florida because he had baggage. The guys are going to carry a nine millimeter on the weekends at post football game, but on the football field is going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate. So, uh, you know. Uh, or a killer tight not, end. <laughs> killer tight end, man. You know. Uh, and, you know, Michigan's had some of their, uh, I mean, grades set aside. I mean, Mich- some Michigan football players have made some bad choices off the field. You know, uh, yes. Frank Clark. Everywhere. It happens everywhere. Absolutely. But, yeah, Michigan's always going to be maybe a little disadvantaged, you know, behind, because of that. Yeah. Um, another one here. Ugly wins. No such thing as a pretty loss, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> What's your take on ugly wins? Obviously, not every single week, but I think they help build some character. And ultimately, I don't know anybody that would take a pretty loss over an ugly win. Yeah, exactly. You don't want... You don't want it to lose pretty. And the perfect example is when Michigan uh, came runner-up to Louisville in the national championship in basketball. That was a pretty loss. Michigan should have won that game. Uh, All these years later, I'm still pissed. I'm still salty about it. So you can throw that out the window. With the ugly wins, man, you got to go game by game. And... Again, I've I've said it before. You said it before. We're gonna be ten years down the road, and we're not gonna look back. And we're gonna we're not. I mean, maybe we'll bring up some keep you know some points of the game, I guess maybe. But like, we're not gonna you know be like, you know, this should be a half a W. I don't know, man. I it's what a, it is. What it is, man. You gotta you gotta play that that game the way it's being played, man. And you know, any given Sunday, uh, you know. 
obviously we've seen in the NFL games come down to the very end. I mean, you got to fight tooth, tooth and nail and nothing's going to be for granted. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I just think that people have completely lost sight of how hard it is to win football games. And they just assume that your elite teams, so to speak, are always going to blow teams out and ask Alabama how that goes. You know, we'll talk about Alabama briefly here in a second, but it's hard to win football games in conference on the road. And Michigan was able to go into Nebraska at night, get a lead, lose the lead and come back and win. I think that speaks more about them and their integrity and what you can expect from this team long-term than if they were to just go in there and win 21 to nothing. Because 21 to nothing, in my opinion, is less impressive than a come from behind 32-29 win. It just is. Exactly. Exactly. Previous previous Michigan teams would have folded. And we've talked about it, obviously, earlier. And, you know, uh, like Ohio State, too, for example. Ohio State in 2012, they went undefeated, but they couldn't play postseason because of uh, dudes selling, ring, selling uh, rings for and gold pants for tattoos, right? And 2012, they had a close game against Michigan. Is that still a W against Michigan? Absolutely. Did they only beat Indiana by three points and escape out of Bloomington or wherever the hell they play that, that Saturday? Yeah, they escaped. But guess what? They still got the W, man. Like, no one – not Ohio – I remember that because I just like watching football. But, you know, your basic Ohio State fan don't, doesn't remember the Indiana game. They're just going to be like, yeah, we won. We were 12-0. and Didn't play in the postseason. Should have won the national championship and whatever. Um and, you know, like our boy Shane, like we were in our in our fancy football text chat. You know, Shane's like, oh, Michigan's back. Michigan's back. And we're both like, Shane, no one is saying that. I don't think Michigan football's back until they have more points than their opponent and they're in Indianapolis and the clock says zero dash zero zero. OK, that's when Michigan's back. I'm tired of Michigan fans getting so hyped up and they've kind of collected themselves over the last couple seasons, especially into this one uh, with their expectations. but. um you know, we're not saying Michigan's back, dudes. We're saying that we're giving props to a win that could have easily been an L and in previous years was going to be an L. And what I texted you, now I just now remembered it, and I'm glad I did. Um, Michigan football, since, since Jim Harbaugh's been here, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Michigan loses this game. Dude, Michigan's trash. They suck. Look at that. Another collapse. We win this game. It's like, look at that, dude. They barely got by Nebraska, who's 3-4 and four now. So, I mean, what do you want? You know, at this point, I'm glad I remembered that because that just drives me up a wall. It's like, what do you want from these guys, man? It's it's 100% true. You couldn't have said it any better. It, it just, it's, I'm sorry, but. People have already forgot that this team was two and four last year. I understand it was a COVID year, but this was a really bad football team. Okay. And we're not that bad now. So can we just at least be excited about what we're seeing and live to see another game? You know, I, I talked, I, I talked about this earlier in, in the, in the podcast, but I, I'm sticking to this every game, it, you know, what are you doing to beat Ohio State today? And I love that Harbaugh's implemented that. But at the same token, you have to beat the team in front of you. 
you know, I posted this on Facebook, and I mean this. If you lose to every team you play but beat Ohio State, you're not better. You're not a better football team. That means nothing. And I understand that's the ultimate goal right now is to beat Ohio State. It's not even to get to freaking Indianapolis or to get a national championship. It's just beat Ohio State because it hasn't happened in 10 years. Yeah, I'm well aware. I'm very aware. But 6-0 and is a hell of a lot better than 0-6. And I can tell you this right now, you would not be happy. If you're listening to this podcast and you're disagreeing with me, that's fine. But you would not be happy. If you were watching Michigan drop 50 points every single week, but we're losing. Promise you that. I've seen it with Rich Rod dropping 60 points, but the other team scored 60 as well, and we're in triple overtime. I've seen it. It ain't pretty. I can tell you that right now. There's nothing fun about that. There is something fun about controlling the clock, running 81 plays on your opponent, getting a 200-200 game on the road against a Big Ten opponent, and getting a sixth win with zero losses. So speaking of ugly, ugly wins, poor losses, whatever you want to call them, Bama loses. Last thing before we wrap it up here, impact on college football. What do you think? Uh, Just the general landscape. Uh, College football playoffs, Bama in general. Yeah. I, you know, here's the thing. I'll, I'll go short to kind of start us off here. I think a lot of people need to pray that Bama doesn't beat Georgia. Because if Bama beats Georgia, we're 100% getting two SEC teams in. And then, no, at that, and then at that point, who doesn't get in? Because there's only two more spots. And there's some, good, there's some good football teams left. Oklahoma's still undefeated right now as we speak. Um, Iowa is still undefeated. Ohio State has one loss, but beating Iowa could definitely get them in if they beat Michigan State and Michigan. Michigan undefeated. Michigan State's undefeated. Uh, Cincinnati, who beat Notre Dame. There's a lot of good football teams left. Is really what I'm getting at. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely, definitely gonna have two SEC teams in if Bama wins and beats Georgia. Um, with the Big Ten, obviously, you got we still have the grand finale to come up, man. We got uh, Iowa, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, we got a lot of, a lot of teams in the hunt here. The Big Ten East is so lopsided right now compared to the West. Um, it's going to be a dogfight, man. It's going to be a dogfight. You just got to bring the A game. Uh, you know, Oklahoma isn't playing. They're not playing uh, all three phases very well. I mean, or like they can't put a complete game together. Obviously, that's why they're shootouts, but that's kind of generally what the Big 12 is. Uh, but, I mean, undefeated is undefeated, right? I mean, yeah. W's a W. They got by Texas, and, uh, you know, Cincinnati's still winning. So um, I'm rooting for Cincinnati, man. Hopefully they stay undefeated because they're going to create a lot of chatter uh, at the very end of it. And, um, you know, Kentucky, keep an eye on Kentucky, man. They're they're climbing. They're creeping. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see Kentucky on the ro- Georgia this week. Yeah, and that would be a huge test. And it's, it's nice to see Bama get knocked off, though, for real, because um, – Kind of like how we had the, the NBA playoffs this, this past season. We had a lot of new blood, and it's kind of nice to see. And it, with Clemson getting bumped out, uh, just for the health of college football in general, man, you want to see other same four, three, four teams every year. It gets boring. I mean, maybe not necessarily boring, 
but it just gets uh, watered down. And uh, so it's hopefully, hopefully Bam and Clemson stay the hell away because I I want to see some new people get in there and uh, and make a make it happen. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, Kentucky goes on the road to Georgia today, uh, this Saturday. Michigan's not going to play, so we'll talk about some other big games. But um, Georgia's favored by three scores. And Kentucky's undefeated, number 11 in the country, 6-0. and uh, Cincinnati playing UCF this weekend. UCF is a pretty respectable college. Just a couple years ago, they were going undefeated. Uh, they're favored by three scores. <laughs> so... Uh, Michigan State on the road at Indiana. Indiana isn't really anything to really write home about right now. They're favored by just shy of a score. So, a lot of big games. Uh, We'll be back next week. We will talk about the upcoming Northwestern game. Uh, We won't have anything to preview, but we'll talk about some uh, some storylines heading into the game. And, yeah, hopefully get a big mailbag for you guys, too. Cool? Absolutely, buddy. All right, my man. I will see you next week. 6-0 feels great, and go blue. Go blue, buddy. Real talk. See ya.